This is Dojo Live, Tech Without Borders, stories that bring us together. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us once again on Dojo Live. It's my pleasure to be here with you today on what is today. I think it is already the 12th of July. My name is Kim Lantis, and joining me as co-host is America Guerrero. Hey, everybody. Hello, Marcus. Here she is. And yes, thank you. Our guest for today is Marcus Siegel, who is the CEO of Forever Games. Thank you for joining us in out of LA, right? Venice Beach, Marcus? Venice Beach. Awesome. And he's got his dog accompanying him there in the background. But unfortunately, the cute pupper, <laughs> we can't quite see him. We can't quite see him on camera, but hopefully we'll get there, right? We got to have the real <laughs> star of the show, which is always the dog, right? <laughs> Perfect. He's going to go run wild with the ego. <laughs> He's part of the marketing. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Perfect. So today we're actually going to be talking about the metaverse, more specifically the future of the metaverse. But before we do, we'd love to get to know you, Marcus, a bit better. If you could please share about yourself, your background, what makes you tick and kind of what led up to forever. Sure. Well, thanks for having me. And, and I'm really excited to tell the forever story. I've been uh, working in Silicon Valley before I moved to LA for 20 years. And I was the COO of game studios at Zynga. And in that experience, you know, we, we created um, a genre of social games that connected people of all ages and all abilities. And, you know, it was, it was a great success. And I, I found a lot of joy and passion in creating these kinds of games that, you know, grandparents could play with their grandchildren. And, you know, after, you know, leaving Zynga, I worked at Y Combinator and Google Launchpad, helping other startups uh, realize their visions. And then I, I realized, you know, what I was really looking for was my next thing to build. And what I found in virtual reality is that perfect moment, the opportunity to create those games, those, those, that kind of umbrella that brings people of all ages and abilities together in play. And so what we're really doing is we're taking that kind of Wii Sports, um, you know, everyone knows the rules, translating games that exist in real life into this new modality. And so, you know, creating the, the greatest bowling game ever uh, in, v, you know, darts, and we have a, a bunch of other games coming out, and then bringing them into VR and making them fantastic. You know, you're, you're bowling with your friends on the moon or in Atlantis, and, you know, basically making games that like my father, who's 83, can play with his grandson who lives on the other side of the country and he's 16. And, you know, to me, that opportunity was was too great to ignore. And yeah, I mean, that's 20 years of my life and 30 seconds. Wow. I love it. I love, you know, it reminds me of a show that we had recently all about gaming and the purpose being connection, which I think sometimes you have like the naysayers or you know, techs getting in the way of real life. Um, but it doesn't have to be that way. It's all about, I think, enhancing. And I, I think that's very beautiful. So let's talk about where you are right now with forever. Obviously, I, the plan words there, I love it for VR, virtual reality. Yep. So um, who are you exactly as a company? And what's your main focus? Sure. So we started during the lockdown. And we just had our two year anniversary in July. 
And, you know, kind of where we are now is we've launched bowling and darts and we have two more games. I don't know if I'm supposed to reveal what they are yet, but we have two more games coming out in the next four You're months. You're the CEO. You could do what you want, I guess. <laughs> I don't want to get in trouble with my head of marketing, but we basically, you know, we, I can tell you the next game is cornhole. Uh, but basically we bring, you know, we're bringing people together in a connected experience. So you and your friends can meet up in bowling and then go and decide to play darts or cornhole together. And, you know, basically creating a metaverse that's instead of sort of an endless horizontal plane where you're wandering around looking for things to do, instead we have connected games or like vertical structures. And so people enter and play one and then they can take a portal and go and visit another game. And, you know, we're having a lot of fun. We are at 40 people now. We're fully remote. We started off remote and we're staying remote and the employees love it. You know, we're figuring it out as we go. You know, we, we want to make sure that we create a great place to work and so far so good. Wow. Congratulations. I, I absolutely love your story. I'm also a fan of cornhole. It's the, the best backyard game there is, if, if in my opinion. Um, so perfect. Let's talk more then about this, this metaverse and how we're helping to create it. America, what is the topic for today? Sure. So the topic is designing the future of the metaverse. And the question is, how can we build a metaverse we are proud of? And you already told us the why. So please, could you share more about this question? Sure. I, I mean, what I think is interesting about this time is this word metaverse. It's being tossed around so much that people are even kind of getting sick of it. And they're like, you know, what does this even mean? And, you know, depending on where which sci-fi books you read you know if you're like a ready player one vision of the metaverse or you're going back to, to neil stevenson's snow crash like what is this is there really one metaverse that everyone's a part of where you know um, my assets that i have in one game can be translated into this other game and you know what's it all going to look like and i see some things happening that i think are really encouraging you know, when you see a game like Minecraft have, you know, 250 million plus uh, monthly active users, and it's like the world's greatest Lego set. You know, when I was a kid with Legos, I never had enough of the color I wanted. I never had enough wheels. And here you have this game where it's like this vast canvas and users are encouraged to create and express. And, and that's kind of the coin of the realm of that experience. And then you're seeing kids get older and then they graduate into Roblox. And then there's, you know, 170, 180 million MAU monthly active users. And, and there's fewer creators, you know, 80 million kids, people, users dropped off and fewer and fewer are making things and more and more people are consuming and there's brands and Chipotle's in there. And, you know, it's kind of a thing. Then kids get older and then it goes, the next one is, is Fortnite. And Epic's done a beautiful job, but they have 70 or 80 million users. And so we're seeing people kind of get spread around. And I think that part of the problem is that we haven't made a metaverse that, that is better than real life. Like in some ways you can fly, you know, you can do things like that, but why are we creating economies and things like that, that are, are that punish or that deny the fun to vast numbers of people. So, you know, I'll read a headline about someone buying a piece of virtual land next to Snoop Dogg in, in Sandbox and, and for half a million dollars. And it's like, wait a minute, we are creating the metaverse now. 
we creators, consumers, we vote, consumers vote with their feet. You know, we are creating this thing now. And a hundred years from now, people are going to be continuing to develop a metaverse or multiple metaverses. So do we have a generational responsibility to like push pause and say, hey, how can we make this thing great? You know, how can we make a version of this that people thank us for later that in the history books, they look back on it and they say, oh, you know, when these people created this, they did it thoughtfully. You know, why not give everyone a house in the metaverse? Everyone gets a house. A billion people have a digital house. Why not? You know, it doesn't matter if you're close to Snoop Dogg. You can go and spend a dollar on a Snoop Pacino that, you know, changes your voice or you get some cool, you know, Snoop inspired clothes or something. Like, why do we have to make scarce real estate, uh, you know, a foundational piece of this? And so all of these questions we could be asking now. And if we ask them now, we have a shot at building something that we'll be really proud of. And, you know, I, I'm excited about this topic because I really do want to make products that, uh, you know, that people love and, and that they thank you for. Yeah. And I think you bring up a, an actually an extremely interesting point that, to be honest, I never even thought of. I'm not too much of, of a gamer myself. It's, it's mostly my daughter. I did get, did get addicted to one called Township a while back, but oh, then wow. I got bored with it. I, I, I love, I unlocked everything and now I'm like, what's next? And so Township, <laughs> if you're out there listening, create something that's next uh, for me. I'm asking. <laughs> but I mean, my point is this, I think going back to what you were saying earlier in the show about the ability to bowl on the moon, right? When we're talking about a universe that doesn't actually exist and anything that we can create, which is why I think sometimes animated films are like so much cooler than live action. And even though we've got CGI and whatever, it's like, your imagination is literally the limit. So why are we limiting ourselves to replicating a world that has some pretty cruddy elements to it, right? In this unlimited universe that we can create. And I think it's absolutely beautiful. And I'd never really seen this connection between the metaverse and let's say like DEI, for example, where we can be the absolute most diverse, equitable and inclusive possible. And somehow we're limiting in ourselves to to replicating the shittiness that exists in real life. It's absolutely fascinating. Yeah, What's the pushback that are people getting from this? I mean, honestly, I mean, capitalism, it's games, we're about making money. So how how does that, how would you see those two realities, <laughs> reality with the no reality? How do, how do they properly merge? Well, I mean, I, I think that you, you know, you have a couple of challenges. One is, especially in an economy like we are teetering on now, it is hard to raise money. It's harder to raise money than it was a year ago. And you want to show results. And if you, you know, with the NFT space, um, with Web3, you know, a, a game that has 50,000 passionate users could, could do insane revenue compared to a game that has 5 million users, you know, in mobile. And so you're, you're in this weird, we're in this weird kind of place, but I think everything will settle down the reality is if you want people to try something new, then you should make it easy for them to try it, not hard. And so if you make a game that, you know, for me to even try it, I've got to spend a couple hundred bucks to get into it, then you're automatically going to shut down. You're going to limit the potential total addressable market of that game. And so, you know, I think that for some of these technologies to become mass market, they're going to have to figure that out. 
And, you know, I, I think that the venture community is also going to have to be willing to take a longer term view on what is going to work over time. You know, with games mm -hmm. in particular, there's this kind of, uh, there's this old saying that games are a hit driven business. And it's true. Like if you build a hit game, you're off to the races. You know, if you build a Minecraft or Fortnite or whatever, it's like you're off to the races. Um, but at the same time, there are plenty of companies that have done really well building a lot of games and having them be connected. So I don't think that there's a one size fits all. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also the beauty of it. And just really kind of focusing on the mission and the purpose, like what you're bringing it back to about what we can ultimately be proud of. So let's mm -hmm. talk about forever. Like, how are you different? I mean, I know you're young still. I think you said two years. What a great time. Thank to, you for calling you me young, Kim. <laughs> when yes, I yes. The this morning and I saw the gray beard, I was like, oh, I'm not so young. But it, it's nice. It, oh, it's, so nice. Cool. Right. it's great. Yeah. Young and yes. <laughs> young at heart and forever, I think two years in, how are you building this out? How have you made it different? And I always have this question about accessibility in the sense, my, when I think of virtual reality, I'm automatically thinking of like headsets and, yeah. and different, you know, lots of physical equipment that's, you know, hardware that's required. Um, and how are you making this sort of accessible and affordable or what's different about you? Well, I mean, the thing that's cool about virtual reality is, you know, with the Quest 2 headsets priced at $300, which is, you know, the cost of a pair of Apple AirPods, uh, and it's an unbelievable value. You know, PlayStations cost twice as much, Xbox is twice as much. And, uh, you know, so you could get a, into a Quest for 300 bucks, and then you have plenty of money left over to buy games. Um, but I think the bigger question you're asking is really about you know, how do you make your startup a great place to work and how do you adapt to being a remote workplace? And so, you know, there's some things that you lose in not going to an office, right? Like you don't have your coffee buddies or whatever. Uh, there's some rituals there and there's like a, a kind of magic that comes together in the brainstorming. And so we try and uh, work around that with meetings and we have um, a, a thing that generates random coffee dates and things like that within the company. But I think the main thing that we've tried to bake in is an understanding that we are building this together, right? None of us are mind readers. If this is your thing, our thing. So forever games, you know, every employee gets equity. It is our company. And I am, I am the CEO, but I want to hear from everyone all the time. And so, you know, I make sure to have meetings with, like I have meetings with my employees every week where I sit down and we just catch up. Um, while I mean, bowling on the moon. While bowling on the moon. Sometimes bowling on the moon. Sometimes just like this. And I want to know, like, how are we doing? You know, are we, are you getting enough feedback to grow in your career? You know, are you digging the games that we're making? Are you excited about a future with us? We do a lot of surveying of our employees and we want to get it right. And, you know, we don't always get it right. And when we don't, we're like, oh, we got that one wrong, you know? And so, and then we adapt. But the main thing is understanding that in our lifetimes, we might get to work on, I don't know, five or 10 things, like really work on, like there's, you know, jobs like we had when we were kids, like I call them jobs, where it's not additive to something. Like I worked in a shoe store when I was a kid, you know, that was a job. I didn't wake up and say, I'm going to go sell shoes, but I wake up, I'm like, I'm going to go make games in VR. Um, and so 
you know, we only get to work on five or 10 things. Like, how do we make it count? You know, 20 years from now, I want every, every, you know, woman and man on my team to look back at this time that we spent together and say, hell yeah. You know, yeah, I made money on it, but look at what we made. Like, look at what we brought into the world. The and- legacy. Yeah, the legacy and the process. You know, it reminds me of, um, I'm a mom and I'm, I have always been an animated film you know, fan. And obviously there's um, the leader out there and with Pixar and every year, I think the trend that I've personally been seeing with the most recent films, you know, things like Turning Red and Encanto, uh, Onward, and, and the most is that the creators are actually telling their own stories oh, yeah. through animation. And my question for you, where I'm getting at with this is when it comes to creating a game, now I know from what you've mentioned so far, a lot of it is, you know, cornhole or like physical you know games that we all kind of know but like what's the investment look like as far as the game creation like when it when they're turning out a film i mean it's years to create this film and investing a lot of yourself is that a sort of similar process for you all or in the gaming world when you're creating this universe yeah well i mean i think what's it's interesting we make a game we we're called forever games for a couple reasons one it's like for vr and the other one is that there is a kind of game that's called a forever game. So for instance, um, Words with Friends, we made at Zynga and Poker at Zynga, which is still in the top 50 after like 10 plus years of being out in the world. And what you do with the forever game is the game itself is so good that the people go in and they fill it with their own stories. So, you know, my my nephew is going to remember that time he played, he bought he bowled on the moon with my dad, you know, and my dad will not, you know, sadly eventually won't be with us anymore, but he'll have that memory. And so when you create a forever game, it's like you build it once you build it, right. You keep tuning it, but you built a great game. And then you create the envelope for people to come in and explore and make their own stories and memories together. So with words of friends, you know, if we changed it too much, people would get pissed off. They're like, what did you do to our game? Um, and like, I play that game every day. Where's the friends with my aunt, Sunny, who's in her eighties. And that's how we like stay in touch. Uh, and so the story driven games have less replayability typically. So it's like you go in and you might have like 40 hours of fun, but then you kind of burn through all the content and then you're like, oh, okay, is there another one? And the games that I make are about, they're really a goal of you being able to continue to play that game for a really long time. You know, if 10 years from now, I think people will still be playing our our games because we just made the best bowling game and we'll just keep it, you know, keep it at the top of the, of the charts. And for example, how intuitive is the game for someone, for example, your father, I don't know if he is like an expert on VR no. or something, but how is the process for people like them? Yeah, I mean, the goal that we have in mind is one finger. So when you put that headset on, you're totally immersed. Like, you know, in our game, you might be in the, in the lost city of Atlantis. There's fish swimming around you, okay? And you've got this thing on and you can't see your fingers and there's these buttons and you can't see which is button A and which is button B and which is the button X. And so we're, we make it so easy that you could push one finger, any finger, and pick up the bowling ball and throw or, you know, pick one, pick any two buttons to pick up a dart and throw the dart. And so the goal is to bake the design down and make it as simple and as accessible as possible. 
but still make it feel like the more you play, the better you get. And that's the magic. That is magic. And I think not only is it liberating for different age groups, but even like physical limitations that people might have. Have you heard feedback from, from your users, from your gamers, your players of like, I feel alive because of your game? I mean, maybe because I'm able to do things that I wouldn't otherwise be able to do. Certainly. I mean, we have people that are wheelchair bound that play. We, um, people find each other too. You know, they make new friends. We have a discord group. People um, connect and they have experiences in games that are as powerful as in real life. When I first, before I joined uh, Zynga full time, I had played this game. We had a simple kind of like, it was like boggle where you'd look for words. And I used to play with my friend Jackie all the time. And she's like, oh, you know, you should play with my mom. She beats me at the same level that you beat me. And so this is, you know, a long time ago, I became friends with- Networking. <laughs> I became friends with her mom on Facebook though we had never met. I'm like friends with Jackie's mom now on Facebook, or I was. And so we started playing together all the time. And then she'd be like, oh, you know, how's it going? Did you meet anyone yet? I'm like, no. She's like, Jackie's still single. I'm like, yeah, I know, we're just friends. And, you know, we would have this kind of rapport. And then, you know, she, one day she stopped playing and I'm like, Hey, what happened? And it turned out she had a stroke and she couldn't play anymore. And then she passed away and I felt it. I felt the, I never met her in person. We never even spoke on the phone, but I felt her loss in my heart. Like she was like a friend and these connections that we make in play, like these connections are real. And in our games, you know, there are like women's bowling leagues uh that meet up and you know we try and create this like safe space for people to connect and play and you know when we we're talking about like how do we make a great metaverse it's like what behaviors do we not tolerate right like if there's people that yeah. behave, like we gotta you know we as game makers we gotta protect that environment we gotta basically say hey no you know that's not okay um right um and, and these kinds of experiences and you know if you're one of your kids went into a game and had a bad experience where someone was you know behaved inappropriately like that could be that could leave a lasting impression on a on a young person so you know i think that we can you know we can all do better that's beautiful sorry, I, what it, I just brought it down at the end I'm no sorry. you didn't no you didn't it's beautiful because i think that that theme of of connectedness um is is absolutely fantastic um and I, it, it wasn't a downer at all. I think quite the opposite. And I think it's interesting and probably not even a coincidence that you went live and have been sort of thriving throughout the pandemic times because it's a way that people were able to connect physically when they couldn't actually connect physically. And I think, um, what was that experience like for you um, going through that element? Did it, Im did it impact your, your thoughts on like, this is the reality that we have? How can we make it even better? Or did it impact the fact that, you know, we, our purpose is real? What was COVID and pandemic and quarantine like? For I mean, you yeah, I mean, look, I, I'm, I, I feel really lucky that we were able to create games at a time for people when connection was really wanted and needed. And I mean, you know, the as the pandemic hopefully moves into like an endemic phase and people can have a healthy relationship with with games. You know, the idea of making a game that somehow takes over someone's life. It's like, I'm not interested in that either. You know, play our game for play the game for an hour. Go bowling for an hour. You know, don't go bowling for 10 hours. That's insane. 
you know, uh, and I, I don't have any, I don't have, again, it gets back to like, what is the world that we want to create, right? So, you know, we as game makers could decide like, hey, you playing for four hours, do you want to put take this headset off? Like, go take a walk, you know? <laughs> like there's there's nothing that stop us from encouraging a healthy relationship with this with these kinds of yeah. entertainment. I do mean, you even, incorporate some type of like, I don't know, like alerts or like advisories? Like you how, how, how could we as creators do that to make sure that people aren't bullying for 10 hours? Well, in our case, it's the good the good news is that the battery doesn't last that long on the headset. So you're gonna have to like turn it off because it's gonna run out of you. Uh, but you know, we see companies doing things like uh, I admittedly I was I was binging the boys on Amazon and it said, Are you still there? Like, are you still watching this? You've been sitting here a long time. And I had to confirm, yes, I'm still watching it. it was like a, a little bit of a Amazon saying, like, shame on you, you know, go and um go and uh and 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 you know take a walk or something or why don't you come back tomorrow and watch some more perfect we actually have a live question that came in this was from antonio osuna um american what is that question yeah so the question is have you seen sword art online and thought if you did it's a really cool anime where people get stuck in a virtual reality massive multiplayer online role play game so, so, so apparently Antonio is a, a sword art on my yeah. Hand. I think he wants your feedback, Marcus. Antonio, I haven't played it yet, but I assure you, you just like own my weekend now. Like I'm totally gonna go play it. Like I don't He's even like know. whatever I said about being connected for 10 hours, forget it. I yeah, I don't even know Antonio, but I trust him completely. It takes very little to get me to try a new video game. Like very little. Um, and so I'm I'll go check it out. But um, I think that those kinds of games, like I love fighting games. Um, you know, I, I still get on the PlayStation with my friends and play Mortal Kombat. Like, I, you know, it's it's one of these things where, you know, when we're little, when we're little kids, we forget it. Right. But our parents used to just hang out on the carpet and, and, and play games with us. Like, that's what our parents did with us. And then we get older and they have to kind of like lay down the law and the relationship changes and we get older. And then, you know, at the end of their lives, all our parents want to do is be around us. And that play, playing together somehow gets lost in all of it. And it was so beautiful a time, you know, and I think that making sure to find time to play and enjoy life is really important. And hopefully our games and and the metaverse deliver on that for, you know, generations to come. Yeah. And I think you're right. There's somehow it's somewhere in the middle. We sort of lose sight of play, right? We start out playing. And then I think at the end, near the end of our lives, we kind of come back to the play. I don't think it's any uh, mystery as to why you've got, you know, the classic old ladies bridge clubs. And my mom was a big cribbage fan. Do you have a cribbage game there in your VR reality? Cribbage could be a fun one. There's no VR cribbage that I'm aware of. All right, you got it. I'll hold you to your word. Um, but yeah, I think you're completely right that somewhere in the middle, we we lose track. And I think it's beautiful, your mission at Forever to kind of keep us playing all throughout. And also sharing with me that realization that you did, you know, with Minecraft going into like, there is this evolution that, that happens. Um, and game gaming companies are there to help us walk through it. And I think it's beautiful. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you look at what's happening there, those, those games, the, the one that had the biggest audience, it was all about creating. 
Like that's what the purpose of the game is. You're not walking around going into a Chipotle. Things or, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. You know? Perfect. So, Marcus, we are actually at the end of our half hour today. And so we want to flip it back to Forever Games. You've talked a lot about the company you're building, the culture that you've created, uh, remote work and, you know, how you keep your folks happy. Um, so with that, let's talk about three things. First and foremost, I want to know who are the type of people who come work for you? Who is it that you're looking to, to build this with? I mean, you know, we're always looking to hire the, the, the most passionate and talented, you know, women and men that we can for all of our positions. Uh, we have openings now for senior engineers uh, with unity experience. We have a uh, product manager opening um, and we're just, you know, if you, if you're passionate about games and you think that you've got something to offer, you know, send your resume and visit forevergames.com and visit our jobs board. But, you know, basically it's about people who show up for work and it's not, they're not just punching a clock. It's like, wow, you know, I wake up every day and I'm excited to work on this. And hopefully the idea of, uh, making worlds in VR and, and, you know, making sort of family friendly, fun games appeals to you too. Perfect. And then with the startup, I think you've laid out a couple things already of what you've done right over this past two years, but what is something that maybe you would have done differently? Like, Ooh, I would have done that differently. That didn't quite work out the way it, if I could do it over again, it would look like this. I mean, I think that there's little things like, you know, you arbitrarily decide uh, which are the holidays. And it's like, just let the employees choose the holidays, you know, like let them vote on it. I think including employees more and more into as many decisions as you can. It takes two seconds to do a survey, you know, uh, versus just handing it down. I think increased transparency everywhere that you can is what really works. We've also... Um, invested in, uh, we use a tool called Lattice that really helps you do performance management. And I think employees need more of that with remote work than they do when they're in person. When you're in person, there's a lot more, you know, hey, good job, America. Like, great job on this and great job on this, Kim. And there's just less of that in remote. It just doesn't translate the same way as if you're sitting in a, in a bunch of cubicles and I walk by and I'm like, great job, America, everyone hears it, you know, versus posting it in right. into Slack. And so I think recognition and recognition systems, I think if I could do it over again, I'd find even more ways to do that. All right. Well, thank you. I think that's really, really, really great advice. Thank you so much for joining us today, uh, Marcus, for introducing us to Forever. We wish you nothing but success as you continue to change the, the gaming world, particularly the VR world, for good and help build something to be proud of. Hang on with us just one moment before we, after we go off air. But before we do, what's tomorrow's show look like, America? Tomorrow, we're going to have an interview with Ken Mir. He is the CEO at Buku Ship. We're going to talk about building trust with e-commerce consumers. Just consumers, yeah. How can online <laughs> retailers create trust and increase brand loyalty? That's going to be tomorrow at 12 p.m. Pacific. Perfect. Thank you so much, Marcus. You have a great rest of your day. And our viewers, we'll see you tomorrow. Thank you. Bye.
Check out past episodes, transcripts, blogs, and more on our website, dojo.nearsoft.com.